0: A little over five years ago, my client, now that you're going to hear in a second on this episode, Sarah Larby, reached out to me via LinkedIn, and she was looking for some help with regards to her branding and marketing. And that was my first introduction into real estate investing, from working with people in the real estate investing space. And since then, the business has grown. I've started to work with many more people in that marketplace And have really enjoyed the opportunity to help people grow their brands and businesses. And you'll hear a discussion that I had on Sarah's podcast. So this is from Sarah's podcast, Where Should I Invest? Which is one of the top podcasts in Canada for real estate investing. And we talk about the progress that Sarah's made over those years that we've worked together and still work together. And I think you'll enjoy hearing the story. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Copkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been a while. I think I'm trying to remember when I was last on the show, but it's been a while.
1: Yeah, maybe a year and a half. So, for those of you that don't know, Paul is my branding and marketing manager. I I had a very sporadic podcast that was actually I was recording back then on the phone. Can you believe that? I was like, it was horrible. Horrible. And you guys remember the first few episodes and I had no business cards, no website. And and you helped me along the way, I think for, what has it been five years now? Five years?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think at least five. And it's just been great to see your journey though. I think that's the other thing is that you are open to making change and learning and continuing to try things. And I think that speaks a lot to who you are and what you've been able to achieve over the last five, six years. And it's just been great to be a small part of that.
1: Yeah. And you're a huge part of that because I don't think I would have been as organized. And (laughs) like, I think a lot of it was just the consistency of the podcast and creating that email list and like all those things that I had no idea what I didn't know back in the day. And, and you helped me. And it's a huge part because I'll tell you when you're posting content on social media, you don't own that just like the same as an email list and and I found that out when my Instagram got hacked the first time and then the second time and the third time. That you can't really rely on another platform. You've got to build your own, right?
0: Yeah, very much. And I think that's a really good point to, to emphasize with people. is, And the best analogy I've heard of this, and I'll attribute this, is Michael Hyatt, who's a leadership guy down in the States. And he likens your website is your home country. And social me- your social media accounts are your embassies. So mm-hmm. your embassies give, your social media accounts give people a flavor for who you are and your brand and what you do. And then the goal is to drive people back to come and visit your home country. And then you're in control. You, you can do what you want on your website. You can try and collect people's emails. And then you can get into a whole process of continuing to communicate with them, even if social media changes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of sales have come from the email list, I would say, versus social media, because we can really capture them. So before we do get into all of that stuff, maybe just give us a little bit of an overview of what it is that you do and how you help investors.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I run a marketing and branding agency now. When we were first talking, I hadn't, I'll be honest, I hadn't looked at real estate investing as a particular marketplace. And you opened my eyes to that, and have been great at introducing me to other people and that's open up doors elsewhere and so that pretty much all of my work now all the work that we focus on is with real estate investors or related professionals so we do everything from yeah email marketing websites helping people with podcasts social media pretty much anything that you would fall under the the gamut of marketing we help people with. And then obviously the other thing is helping people with strategy and processes and systems, because I think that's probably where a lot of people fall down is not having those things in place, which is what how we started talking initially.
1: Yeah. It's I've had many conversations with Matt, my spouse. I think you briefly talked to him at one point. He's like, I can't really understand what Paul does. I'm like, she basically just does everything. You have an idea, you're like, Paul, I'm going. <laughs> and then you go and you implement it. He's like, the But like, how? I'm like, let's just say I want to do a course. I say, Paul, this is the course or you make suggestions and then you just basically implement it and then do this, the marketing behind it and the sales strategy behind it. And I think that's like some people would have a hard time understanding, I think sometimes what it is that you do for people, but it's very vast. There's a lot of different hats that you wear.
0: Yeah, I think probably a good description would be a fractional marketing manager. So you're probably not in the position, although you might be. Not a position to hire a full-time marketing manager, but mm-hmm. you want somebody that has that level of expertise and knowledge and is able to deliver those kind of services. So it's having your own fractional marketing department and, and having it and having it on call, but not having to have somebody there full time in the expense of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. From like website designing, I don't know if you want to do that many more of one-site <laughs> designs so that you've done a couple for me. Creating strategies, creating marketing strategies. It's been very helpful. So one of the questions I get asked a lot, especially as we're getting into some weird times right now, and I think a lot of my students, for example, have figured out that there's an opportunity to create some deals with joint venture partnerships or bring in some private money, as an example, but they don't have a presence yet. And sometimes you want to have that presence so that people get to know you better, they trust you, and they want to work with you. They want to joint venture with you. They want to provide funds because they like they, they and trust you. What are some ways like for somebody just starting out right now in this hard market that say, okay, the next step I really have to do and I really want to grow and scale is I need to bring in private money or I need to bring in JVs. What are some things that they could do from a branding perspective?
0: Yeah, great question. So I think, first of all, that people need to keep in mind, I think real estate investors will get caught up. Actually, not just real estate investors. I think we all get caught up with the fact that we need to reach thousands and tens of thousands of people and it's all about numbers. And, but when you actually boil it down, most real estate investors with a handful of properties, maybe looking to grow to double figures of properties, really don't need that many people that they're going to do, end up doing business with or joint venturing with. So it's not about the quantity, it's probably more about the quality. And I think the first thing that people need to be thinking about is who is it you really want to do business with as a joint venture partner? because you can't be everything to everybody. And if you try to be that, you're going to dilute your message. You're not going to be clear to anybody and you will just confuse and not attract the right people. So get very clear about who it is you want to do business with. And an easy way might be to look at people like yourself. If you're a real estate investor and you came from corporate or you're in a corporate position now is think of other people like you who might also be interested in real estate for the same reasons, because then you can speak from experience. So your trust and credibility is immediately up there and you only need to be one or two steps ahead of whoever you're helping. You don't need to be, you don't need to be the 300 door guru because that would probably put a lot of people off anyway. Yeah. So get very clear about who you're trying to reach and then start to think about in terms of content, what are the things, what are the questions that you have in the back of your mind when you were looking at real estate investing and start to answer those questions for people and put content out there to that effect. And it can be as simple as if you're wondering how you can use SP money to invest in real estate, here's the answer and give people a 2 3 minute video and don't be afraid of video I think we always I did hear it on a podcast just the other day and somebody said it's no longer a case of if you do video it's how you do it so i think we're past the right. we're past the that's what how people consume content and and the beauty of that with that video is you can then take that content and repurpose it in 17 different ways. It isn't about having to produce tons and tons of different content either. You could do a three minute video and that could last you for 17 different social media posts and blog posts and website articles and everything else.
1: So videos are definitely key. Do you think that they should live on somebody's website? Do you think it's important for investors even if they just have a handful of properties if they're looking to bring in Money, joint venture partners to have a website of some sort they can direct them to? Or what do you think? What do you think, like the basic? I know you mentioned videos on social media, but the basic necessities they want to have to show some credibility.
0: Yeah. And you're talking, you're usually talking significant amounts of money that somebody's going to invest with you, tens of thousands. So if you don't have a website, if you were about to do business with somebody and they didn't have a website and you're about to sign something. Over to them of hundred thousand dollars or something, you might have a little bit of portion at least. so I think a website is has to be it's like a maybe less so a business card, but I think a website is a minimum and it doesn't need again, it doesn't need to be hundreds of pages. It could be a one page website that just covers the main pieces of information that you want to get across to people. Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? How can you help people? Simple as that. it doesn't need to be fancy. It can be done very, very cost-effective and still look good and have the right sort of feel. Somebody says, okay, this looks like a legit kind of kickoff. And then it goes back to what we were saying about social media is ensuring that if people are coming to your website, how do you capture their email? How do you get them into your ecosystem that you can start to then communicate to them on a regular basis via email versus posting Mm -hmm. things on social media?
1: Yeah, I think that was that is probably if I have to look at all the stuff that we've done together, that email list creation is probably the best ROI on time efforts. I'm sure there's some costs that are involved in that because, you know, that is truly like capturing the audience that is interested in what you have to to share. And I think when I look back at whether it was sales for the resort or for an upcoming class or that kind of stuff like that is essentially where I want to say 90% of it came from is that email list creation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I was interviewing actually an email marketing expert from Australia for my podcast just last week. And he shared the stat that for every dollar you spend on email, you get back $38. Yeah. Now I can
1: see that.
0: And then if you think about social media, it's fractions of a penny that you might get back for every dollar or yeah it's it is by r o i by far the best investment you can have, yeah,
1: I remember when we sent out one email for partnering with us, and we had forty or fifty replies, which was amazing, and we bought a bunch of properties with and helping other investors along the way as well, and that that's huge, and that came from one email. <laughs> nice. And then they filled out a form, then we started talking, we got to know some of them. That that was super powerful. But obviously it, it took years for it, it to was, get to where it is today for me. You know, somebody that's starting out, like what's the timeline that they can maybe expect for things to start rolling? let's just say they do a website, they do some videos, like, you know, what can we expect as an average?
0: I know it's hard yeah, to explain. So in terms of the website, so if you're putting content on there and you're optimizing it for Google, <clears throat> organically you've got to be looking at six months to a year that those keywords you're going to start appearing higher and higher and that's only if you're putting out content on a consistent basis if you just create a website and then put nothing on it google naturally assumes that's not a very exciting website to send people to so it won't so you've got to think about it goes back to consistency it goes back it doesn't need to be again it doesn't need to be posting every day just a well thought through well written article at least once a month, would start to help you in terms of credibility, visibility, and everything else. In terms of joint ventures, and again, it goes back to the quality versus quantity. If you can have five quality conversations versus mm-hmm. 500 likes and thumbs up, the five quality conversations could lead to one person that ends up joint venturing with you. Uh, You'd probably be able to answer better, Sarah, in terms of how long does it take from somebody initially putting their hand up and saying, yes, I'm interested to Mm -hmm. actually signing a joint venture agreement. But I think you've got to be looking three to 12 months to build that visibility and credibility. But it it could happen. Somebody just happens. And again, that goes back to the marketing is if you're not doing anything, nothing's going to happen. But if you're doing something at least on a consistent basis. You're running the risk that somebody's going to bump into you that happens to no. be at the right time at the right. And that's the other thing with an email list is I see it often if people are even emailing and I would suggest a lot of real estate investors are not even emailing people, mm. not at least not in an informative value way. But if you are, uh, I see a lot of people put the emails out. They try it. They try it for a month. Oh, nothing's come back. It's not working. I'm going to go do something else. You know, it it just happens to be those people are not ready. That one time when it lands in their inbox on the right day at the right time, as you said, you sent out an email. I'm looking mm-hmm. for joint venture partners. You hadn't done it for a while. You put it out, 40, 50 people put their hands up. So it, it's about consistency and quality.
1: For sure. Okay. So here's another question. Because I, I, think, I think because the podcast, it put me on a platform where you get recognized and sometimes people want to be that authority in the their industry their strategy what are some good things that they can do maybe it's not for joint ventures or finding money but just to be able to set themselves apart and create a brand for themselves and I know you're big about brands what are some things that somebody could do to really create their brand and their identity in this industry or it could be different industries but just let's say real estate investing
0: yeah what and it goes back to what do you want to be known for again don't try to be something to everybody or everything to everybody, because again, it's just going to dilute your message and people won't know what you stand for. Is it, is it a target market that you want to work for or work with? Is it a particular location that you want to focus on? A lot of real estate investors focus very locally and they say, I'm going to be the real estate investor for Hamilton or for the Golden Horseshoe or whatever it happens to be. Or it could be a strategy like you did originally for the Burr. You were known mm-hmm. for the Burr. That enabled you to then pivot and change when you were ready to do it. But that served you very well for quite a few years.
1: Yeah. So and was, you know what? And that's still a strategy <laughs> I still love. <laughs> you just got to now convert into many more units. But, but yeah, no, absolutely. And then at some point, you, you're right. You have to pivot with the market.
0: So what, what is it? What strategy or what do you want to be known for that you can start to then put out quality? And again, it goes back to quality content. It isn't about it isn't about pitching people because you'll you'll rarely get somebody signing over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars on a first email or something or a first social media post or something. Yeah. But if you're consistently there in front of them and they finally say, Okay, yeah, okay, I'm ready for to do a multifamily investment. Now who is the person I should go to for multifamily? Yeah. Or who should I go to for midterm rental? That's what we're doing with you right now, is looking at How do we position midterm rental properties as a go-to authority on the subject? Mm -hmm. Because that's a hot topic right now. So why not?
1: Yeah, no, it is a hot topic because we all want more control and we all want more cash flow and we want to create our own rules and regulations (laughs) as much as possible. So you're you're obviously working with a lot of investors and you've been working with investors, probably some of them, for a few years. And the economy is changing, the economy is shifting. Are you suggesting that they stick to what they're currently known for they pivot like what are you seeing in the market and what are you suggesting that they do if they're like struggling with maybe some of their other initial branding or a strategy
0: yeah I, th- I think i think you've hit it on the nail on the head with that second the strategy because there are certain strategies right now that are just not viable flipping for example is right fraught with challenges right now or it certainly was during covid Host- and, and
1: pre-construction too, like pre-construction used to be super bad when you said wholesaling. But yeah, there's there's some things that just in 2023 are going to be a little bit harder to do well with and probably a little bit more risky for the market cycle that we're in.
0: So some, so somebody that's in that situation, yeah, think about the, if everybody listening thinks about the people that they follow on social media and why they follow. I will almost guarantee you that a number of those people you're following are, you're following them because you're following their journey. You're interested in what they're doing next, how they're learning, what they're learning, what they're sharing about those learnings. So you could do exactly the same. If, you're, if you've if you focused for the last three years on flipping and now it's just not the market you want or need to be in or, ca- or can be in, okay, start to document that. Start to say, okay, this is, hey, it's Bob here, and I've been flipping properties for the last three years. But you know what? With the current market, flipping is not the way to go. So I'm going to go and have a look at rent to own, or I'm going to go and explore Burr. Then reach out to some Burr experts or some rent to own experts and say, would you mind sharing some of your tips, ideas? It could be a video. You could write an article. So you could reach out to the five, five high-profile Burr people and say, what's your number one tip that you would give if you were going to start going into birds? And I find the thing that I enjoy a lot about the real estate investing market generally and the people within it is most people are willing to give a little bit of time to help you. They're, Mm -hmm. They're more than willing to answer a question or point you in the right direction or recommend a resource. And I don't see that in every industry, but I think you'll find if you are a real estate investor and you're you're about to pivot and you're wondering how am I going to communicate that, that just reaching out to a few experts and then pulling together the top 10 Burr experts' recommendations about how to get started in Burrs, or, and that becomes an article, then that becomes 10 separate videos, that becomes 10 social media posts, and then you've got content, and then people are starting to follow your journey. You think of somebody, somebody as famous as Gary Vaynerchuk. The way he's pivoted and changed over the years from being a spotty kid on a video, terrible videos on YouTube, doing wine tasting literally on video, to now he has full time videographers following him around curating and recording mm. everything he does. And it's all turned into content. You don't need that. But it doesn't take much. You've, everybody has a phone in their pocket. You have a video camera. <clears throat> And people will be interested in the story. And those that are interested will follow you and those that aren't won't. And that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I also know that there's people that will sometimes come to me and be like, I I don't feel comfortable being on camera. I want to be behind the scenes. But I would say then think outside the box a little bit and try to find a way to become an authority in your market. So here's an example. I have a student of mine in my REI Academy class, a young guy just getting started. And I challenge him to set up a meetup, an investor get together because he's in Sudbury and he's like, there's not a ton of stuff in Sudbury. There's not a lot of events where I can meet other like-minded people. And that's kind of what he's looking for. I'm like, perfect. You go create it. Here's your challenge. Go book here, reach out to this person, invite people. And and he's doing it, which is amazing. But but sometimes by doing that, and I think he's creating some cool videos too about mindset and just like growth and all that kind of stuff, which is great. That's sometimes people want to be around other positive people. But I think by creating these events and creating the opportunity for people to get together, that could help him become that authority in that area for being able to have a great team and connect and know who's who in, let's say, Sudbury, if you want to do a burr or conversion or any of that stuff. So sometimes it could be as simple as that, too, is just don't be the follower, be a leader and, and start some.
0: Great example. That is a perfect example. And yeah, he's going to position not just himself as the expert locally because he's running a local event. But there are a lot of investors down here in Southern Ontario that are looking for markets to invest in. And Sudbury is a great market to invest in because you can still find good value properties there. Yep. And he'd be, he'd be potentially that, because if, if he ends up running a meetup and then puts out some content around and keywords it for, with Sudbury and real estate investing, if I start to Google, I'm thinking of investing in real estate investing in Sudbury, chances are his content's going to come up. And then he's going to get people inquiring directly to him because he's the go-to person locally.
1: And if they're not local and he's local, maybe they'll right. indirectly invest with him because they're like, oh, you're the one that's doing all these events and groups. And I see that you've got lots of great speakers. I think by association and by being that leader, he's, he's going to be able to get some traction that way, which I think is great. I know every, not everybody wants to do a podcast. I'll tell you the podcast. The podcast route is long. of it's worth it. But I'm just curious now, because I know you're helping some people with podcasts, but is it a lot harder now? Just is it more saturated now than it used to be? Or is there still opportunity?
0: Yeah, I think when we were working on your podcast, and at the same time, I was helping two other people with their podcasts, we got all three of you into new and noteworthy at the same time. That's three real estate investing podcasts in new and noteworthy on Apple. And now you are really struggling to get into any kind of chart. Um,
1: okay. So it's a lot harder now. A
0: lot harder because there's a lot of people starting podcasts. But the interesting stat is once you're beyond seven episodes, you're in the top 10% of all podcasts. It's crazy. Because most people give up by seven episodes. So it is, you're right. It's a long game. And you know, I'll be honest. I've been doing my podcast for two years now. And, I, and when I went away over the Christmas, New Year, I was thinking, oh, is it really every week? And I've got to produce content. And so I took, I was off four weeks and I just did four repeats of old, the four most popular podcasts so far episodes. And I came back and my numbers have doubled. <laughs> I thought I should go away more often. But, but it's interesting. Now that has provided a momentum and now the numbers are going up each week.
1: How many are you at right now?
0: <clears throat> in terms of downloads or episodes? No, in
1: terms of how many episodes you've done?
0: A hundred and. Fourth comes out on Wednesday.
1: Okay. So for me, back then, I found that I was probably at the 70, 80th podcast that like things started to, it takes a long time that things started to get rolling.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. And even more, even more so now. But again, if you're specialized, and that, that would be the thing, I think now it wouldn't be investing in Canada because there's enough good podcasts already up there like Cure's so, it needs to be more niched. It could be, and again, it could be really local and you could make money on that because if you've got a very targeted podcast with a very targeted audience, <clears throat> you can get sponsorship. People will pay and it'll be way more than the hosted rate of pennies per click.
1: No, I never went that route and I'm glad I didn't because yeah. it was still, like, because if you are specific to an area, you can really reach out to your team and finding sponsors that are part of your team already, knowing, and I'll tell you like Dahlia, for example, like she like, I don't know, 30, 40 leads a week or I don't know, sorry, a month from the podcast. And she's, been do- she's been doing it for a while with me, but yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go to a random ABC company and get them to sponsor. It still needs to be, I think anyways, if you're going to reach out to sponsors, make it relevant to what it is that you're doing.
0: And if you don't have sponsors, put yourself in as the sponsor. Yeah. Brought to you by and and put a little ad in for I'm looking for joint ventures or I'm looking mm-hmm. for X.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great idea. And I started doing that with the resort because I'm like, I want to get some of this resort stuff going. And just, but, you know, it's, I'm not saying you're going to be rich from doing a podcast. You definitely won't. You can definitely cover the cost of getting the podcast edited and everything like that. It's not going to make you retire from your job. It's, that's for sure. But can you make Brilliant. a little bit of income from it? Maybe.
0: I think for some people, though, it's the new book, isn't it? Before it used to be you had Mm -hmm. to have a book and now it's you can have a podcast or a book or a YouTube channel or so there's different mediums and pick the one that you're going to feel most comfortable doing. So, yeah, maybe if video is not your go to medium, then maybe podcast might be and you can still create videos from a podcast, even if your face isn't on it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I remember when we started. I'm writing a book. Do you remember that?
0: Yes. I still, have all, I still have it. I still have all of it.
1: Uh, and then we used to meet at a coffee shop. I can't remember which one on brand. I don't think it's there anymore. Artis, artisan? Artisanos? I don't know.
0: Yes, Artisanos. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then when it was done, I'm like, I don't like the, not It was a great book. It was a great book. But I think I've evolved so much since then. That I'm like, the content, I would just, I don't know. It was just like, it's not me now. And that's the tough part with the book. Maybe one day. But I want to say I'd have to write it still very fast because I think it took us a year to really? get to it. The and then by then I was just in a different state, right? Of, of a, but I do agree. I think a book is still a great opportunity. A podcast is a great opportunity. Um, what are you seeing on YouTube for videos? Are you seeing that people are getting the same traction or is that getting saturated as well?
0: Shorts is definitely what's giving people views at the moment. So what are yeah. short, What are Shorts. So Shorts is one minute or less, or actually it should be 59 seconds. So it really is snippet type of content. It needs to have very catchy titles. It's amazing what a different title will do to the views of a video. And the nice thing with YouTube, the good thing with YouTube and with all the platforms nowadays is you can get incredible data back as to how many people are watching, how long they watch, what the average view time was, so what's working and what isn't very quickly. But yeah, Shorts and Reels on Instagram less, I don't know, Facebook just doesn't seem to have got video traction the same way. LinkedIn is very hit and miss with video, but I think Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, or if you're putting longer videos on YouTube, then, you know, your thumbnail needs to be really stand out for people to even stop. It's all back to, because we're all pulling out this and going like this, it's The whole goal is to stop the scroll so you've got to think about what is it that's going to stop somebody just going right past you yeah stopping enough that they're going to go oh that's interesting and then does what they've just seen is it interesting enough for them to then touch on it to watch or whatever the good thing with shorts is if they stop the video plays so you don't have to worry about that
1: it is funny because i think with the pandemic it made people's attention span even less than it used to be. Like, I know for me, I have less of an attention span even now. And I used to, like, I don't know, maybe I have AD now, but like I, I used to be able to focus on stuff, but now I, I get it. And I think maybe that goes back to the podcast is like when you're listening to a podcast, you're probably in your car, you're doing something that was probably one of the very few mediums that people aren't just scrolling through and they're actually listening for a good amount of time. So that's, I think that's why I like the podcast. But
0: It's also very personal because it's right Mm. between, you're right between somebody's ears Uh, and you're, they're doing something else at the same time. You're either doing the housework or you're driving or you're doing something, but people are, yeah, people are consuming. So podcasts do seem to last longer in terms of attention spans and yeah, video. Even I, I mean, I rarely watch videos, but I think I can almost time myself to two and a half, three minutes. That's it. Yeah. If it hasn't grabbed me by then, I'm gone.
1: No, it's tough for sure. And I know we're not the only ones. I think it's everywhere. So what are some things that like, like catchy titles or something to have like in the first few seconds that you found may help people to stay? I mean, yeah, the titles
0: either need to be something that's, I don't want to say controversial. It's the ones like, wow, I can't believe he did this or look at, look at, there was one client did just recently. Oh yeah, it was a backyard with a lot of opportunity for additional dwelling units. Wow, can't look at this backyard? They suddenly got 10 times the number of views on the video just because of that. Hmm. And, it, and all, it was a scan of a backyard and saying, this is a great backyard, but it stopped people enough that they watched the video. Interesting. Uh, the other one is listicles. Anything that says three tips for this, three hmm. hacks for that, five, all those always seem to work. And again, if saying to people if you look at what you watch and what makes you stop and click the the chances are it's you know listicles is a big one because it's you know the five things you didn't know about kevin bacon yeah
1: yeah
0: and people stop and listen
1: things yeah and that's sometimes i think you you mentioned to do and i think we have some stuff or we had some stuff on my website right like certain things that like list of seven tips for something or the fundamental checklist. I don't know, whatever. I, I just remember having like certain number of things and then they downloaded it. And then we got lots of emails from that, but I do agree with you listing things. I, I know you like the number seven. <laughs>
0: yeah. Seven, seven seems to be a popular one. Three, five. I, you know, some, I think I can't remember. Somebody said there was research once. So odd oh, numbers yeah. work better than even numbers.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So What about when somebody is doing a flip, a burr, a project, going and buying properties? Should they be taking pictures, recording themselves for future potential content? What do you think somebody should start doing as they get into the market, as they start making some deals in terms of documentation? What could they use that for?
0: Yeah, befores and afters are always popular. The ones I like that I seem to see are working quite well at the moment is where the You've got the before, and then the after is almost comes in as part of the picture. So you, it's almost like transforms. And there's so many th- great things you can do with video editing. Uh, not that I'm an expert in that, but I know people that are. But seeing that kind of transformation seems to grab people. I, the other one that you know I've seen less of recently, but I think people are still really interested is if you if you want to get into details, is breaking down the numbers. I know that's always a popular thing at live events when people are doing presentations, breaking down a project by the numbers. So keeping obviously keeping track of that you should be anyway. But if you're prepared to share those kind of numbers, then people really that kind of content. So those would be two I would certainly say. Yeah, and, and you should be logging the process. That can all be part of the content that you're putting out on a regular basis. Hey, I'm right. back at my I'm back at my renovation and oh my gosh, I can't believe and There's a title. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened at my renovation. And if you're a real estate investor, you're going to click and look to.
1: That's true. And also, 100%. And probably too. What do you think about putting some stuff, like not just the pretty stuff, but like the, oh crap, this is happening? You know, I I, I, I think
0: that would get even more views than something that, yeah, oh, here was the perfect renovation. mm -hmm. Here was the renovation, but these were the three mistakes I made. And um yeah, you know, three mistakes I made on my renovation and I'm never gonna make them again. There there's a title. Sounds long, but it's mm-hmm. probably enough that it's gonna stop people and go, I wonder what those three mistakes were, because I don't want to make.
1: Them. Yeah, exactly. What is like two key takeaways from today's podcast that either an investor that's already currently investing and in, or potentially someone who gets starting to get into the game, what are some key takeaways that you want them to leave today with?
0: Consistency and email email. You do those two things. Consistent content, collect the emails, keep in touch with people on a regular basis. Don't assume that they are not interested because they're not clicking on it or they're not reading it. Just you just got to keep sending it to them. And at some point, they're either going to unsubscribe, which is fine because that means your marketing's working, or they're going to click on it or raise their hand and say, yes, okay, I'm ready. I'm interested.
1: Consistency in email. Awesome. Paul, where can my listeners reach out and find out more?
0: Yep. Uh, so pretty easy. Paul Copcut, C O P C U T T dot com. So Paul Copcut dot com.
1: And you are also, sorry, go ahead.
0: And I was going to say, you can access the podcast from there and anything else that you want to. I
1: was going to ask you about the podcast. What's it called?
0: Personally, Brandtastic.
1: Awesome. And what do you cover in your podcast?
0: Branding and marketing. So there are interviews similar to this. So I tend to invite marketing people, branding people, digital marketing people. And we talk about what they do and some tips. And there's usually some great, I'm making notes as I'm interviewing these people. So it's lots of great content.
1: So can I ask, what's one key thing that you learned from interviewing them that you're like, this is key that you can share on this podcast?
0: Yeah, probably the one, one of them that made the biggest impact last year was a guy that told me about the Google Knowledge Panel. So if you do, and so here's a tip for everybody. Go put in your name into Google and see what comes up. And on the left-hand side will be the web pages that have your name or a combination or somebody else's name, but it's you. or it's not you, but it's still your name. So that's one thing. And ideally, what you want to see on there are links on page one through to your content, whether that's your website, your LinkedIn profile, Facebook account, whatever it is. So ideally, you want to own page one organically. And the a and couple of reasons for that is most people don't scroll past page one for search. They just end up putting in another search. So if they don't find what they're looking for, so hopefully you'll come up for that. But then on the right-hand side is what Google says is true, to for want mm-hmm. of a better description. So this is where Google has gone all over the internet and said, Where are the pages, videos, podcasts, anything about Sarah Larby that we know has been referenced by other people who are also reputable and we put Mm. it into that knowledge panel. So that is like golden. So if you have one of those, it's golden. But what most people don't know is you can own that. So it gives you the opportunity to say, are you this person? Mm. And You can say yes. And then you have to go through a couple of steps to verify it, but then you can start to control What gets in there just by by doing things in the back end of Google and SEO and keyword. So you can start to prioritize more videos or you want to prioritize something that you're promoting or pushing. You can work at it and get it appearing.
1: Do you know what my next question is going to be?
0: How are we going to do that for you?
1: (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it was. well.
0: (laughs) We'll talk about it for sure.
1: All right. All right. How busy have I made you this month? Are you about right?
0: You're lucky I turned up. I was so busy. I almost missed it. No, I'm kidding.
1: Oh, man. But uh, honestly, thank you for all you're doing. So just for you guys to hear the background is because of the launch of Inspire Beach Resort, which Paul has also been spearheading with me as the marketing and branding person and also our midterm rental company and my staff, uh, and I think you were taking on a few of my colleagues' stuff as well. You just got really busy, yep. and every day Paul hears from me about the resort. He's probably like, "Why? <laughs> I used to not hear from Sarah for two weeks." Because <laughs> it's true, right? Especially yep. in the summer. this the summer, you probably don't. <laughs> that you probably don't hear from me for a while. But yeah, now that we're launching this, this awesome resort, Paul is. I'm probably doing double time,
0: triple <laughs> <Double> time.
1: <laughs> But that's not to say that you can't take on more people. And, and so guys, if you are interested in working on your branding, on your marketing, on your messaging, on your email list, because that's huge, reach out to Paul, check out his podcast as well. Paul, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Great chatting with you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.